Welcome to Red, White, and Black Eye, the American Rugby Podcast. I am Preston. And I am Warren. Let's talk some rugby. Preston. 2022 rugby. I should have said welcome back to Red, White, and Black Eye, Warren. It's our first podcast in, in a couple months, I feel like. Uh, we had a pretty long hiatus. Did you did you learn anything during your hiatus in time of self-reflection and internal inspection? Yeah, you know, just been a lot of soul searching uh, mm-hmm. after some disappointing results for the, the USA Eagles and, and some other uh, some other rugby teams we we uh, we follow and just had to spend some time, you know, by myself in, in a dark, quiet place, just kind of reflecting. And mm-hmm. well, we, we talked about coming back a couple of times and I got stage fright and uh, and bailed on you. So you finally dragged me here on a Friday afternoon to, to record a pod and, and, and we're back. We're back yeah. and ready. Yeah, I dragged you back here kicking and screaming after your your newest baby infected your whole family or so I've heard. Yep, we've uh, we've officially had the COVID virus in our house. We are recovering. Um, so life has been a little bit crazy, a little bit upside down, but it has allowed me to watch quite a bit of rugby. So um, that is definitely the silver lining. Yeah, Warren. Uh, before we get into like our whole our whole you know spiel, I, I feel like it is it has been interesting being just a rugby fan again. You know, and I feel like we are fans. I, w- I wouldn't you know people. I guess we are technically media. We, we talk about rugby and stuff, but we're you know we're not insiders. But it was interesting just being a fan and not looking at it of like, Oh, here's how I can talk about it. Or here's something like that. You know, it's, you know, in some ways it's made me more pessimistic, I guess. And in other ways it was almost like more fun to just be like, you know, I can just watch this and not have to like really think about it or think about, you know, how a certain player is fitting in or, or anything like that. Right. No, I mean, it kind of goes back to when we were still recording the podcast during COVID and there was no rugby going on. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, yeah, it, it, it's uh, it, it is nice to just sit back and, and, and watch games and, um, you know, still watching AJ play for Sale Sharks and, yep. and some of the other guys over in Europe and then seeing some of this action that the MLR is heating up the seven. So, yeah, we I mean, we've still had it going on. So, of course, COVID is still rearing its ugly head and canceling games from here and there. And some games are played in front of no crowds, but overall it, it seems to be moving forward, even, even though that that's kind of going on in the background. Yeah. I think with how many uh, NFL games this past season kind of had, were you know, interrupted by COVID and then the NBA this season, how many games have been rescheduled and, and stuff like that. I, I was more impressed with MLR's season four, you know, I was, we were already impressed, you know, with, with them playing every single match, but just the fact that, you know, these major professional organizations with, you know, probably just billions of dollars and, and don't know what to do with them. They're having to reschedule games and MLR was able to go an entire season. So I was even more impressed and that's even, you know, I'm even more excited for season five, but uh, Warren, we should finally get into, you know, who we are as, as yeah. everyone just heard. Uh, we're rusty. I, yeah. I, I impressed and you are, you are Warren. We're just, we're two average Americans been friends for a long time, grew up across the street from one another and, I feel like we've always been obsessed with rugby and, of course, America. Um, so we finally put them together, and we, we've been recording for, you know, five or six years, um, you know, other than our two-month break. But, you know, we do our best to talk all, all things American rugby, Warren. And there is a way that people can help us out, especially now that we're, you know, getting our, our training wheels back on. Yeah, go to our website, americarugbypod.com. Give us a follow. Our social media has still been semi-active, but we're ramping it back up. We will be at MLR Games. We'll be at USA Eagles test matches. So follow us on Instagram, follow us on Twitter, 
We post news, funny stuff on there. Go to our website, leave us a five-star review. That is all we ask of our listeners. Yeah. If you read us a five-star review, no matter what it says, we will read it out. We've got one or two there. I'm going to hold it off for the next pod, Preston, just okay. to just kind of bake it, get it ready. Yeah. And I want to see if anybody can some land some new ones in there. But we're looking forward to uh, kind of covering a new season of rugby, what it looks like from an Eagles perspective, a sevens perspective, uh, 15s and sevens, mm. and and this next season of MLR with new teams and and uh, new storylines. So pretty exciting stuff. Yeah, when I gotta be honest, when you said we post news, I thought you said nudes. And I was like, wow, we're really we're we're, we're, we're we're getting to that level to try and attract. We, uh, we are influencers. We yeah. are influencers. We do have TikToks. We do have OnlyFans. More, I, feel, so. I, feel like, I feel like you're, yeah, we're going for OnlyFans. I feel like is what we're maximizing our, our, our revenue from more. But before we get to any of that, uh, what are we going to do this pod? I feel, I feel like since we missed a sort of 2021 all-encompassing review, you know, I, I think we should kind of reflect on that and then just speak to like USA Rugby as a whole. You know, I, I feel like there's unfinished business, obviously, with with you know us not recording. I think after the New Zealand match and I think the second Uruguay match for the the men's 15s team. So I feel like there's a lot to talk about and digest, and then look forward toward the future. Um, how, how do you feel? Yeah, I would agree. I mean, I, I think we can turn back and start with looking back at 2021 mm-hmm. uh, with with the Eagles 15s team, and and the re- not because they had the best results. They definitely did not. Uh, if we were talking about the best results, it'd be the women's sevens program, not yeah. only last year, but also this year. Yeah. Um, they've had some great results winning things, but that, that's really where this podcast got started was the men's 15s program right before the 2015 World Cup is when we started recording. Mm-hmm. And it's it's been kind of our bread and butter and, and what we've always been interested in. And 2021 was was, I think, a frustrating year. We had the team come back to the pitch for the first time since the... Uh, uh, rugby world cup in 2019 yeah so literally a two-year hiatus returning on july 4th to play england in london losing 29 to 43 but but overall like you and i were really high on 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 that on that team afterwards i mean a a, a loss sure but yeah a pretty encouraging performance yeah i, I feel like 29 points on, on an england team after not playing for so long and, and the thing is they were exciting tries that, that's mm-hmm. one thing i, I think over the the length of our podcast, I think we've gone from you know talking about oh we we picked up the ball off a, you know a lucky bounce and we dove over the try line or we intercepted the ball and that's how we scored our try. And toward the latter end of the podcast, we were talking about you know backs and forwards interlocking uh, you know on a not even getting tackled like no phases one phase you know try on, on tier one nations. You know we're having exciting go forward rugby with offloads all over the place, and I think that was highlighted. In this one, even though it was, you know, a lopsided scoreline, I, I think, you know, right off the bat, I think it, it started the year with a lot of promise of like, all right, you know, our defense can be worked on. And it's difficult to be good at defense when you aren't playing for two years, especially when you're playing England. But the fact mm-hmm. that the offense was able to to put that many points on uh, an English squad was, I think, enlightening. It, it was exciting and it, it, you gave, it gave us promise and, and hope, I feel like. Yeah, I mean, we even won the outscored them in the second half, which yeah. is pretty crazy. To which think is all about. that matters. And the second half, you know, last, exactly. Last try wins all the time. Everybody knows that. Yeah. And uh, so we went from a pretty decent high to a pretty quick low the next weekend, mm-hmm. taking on Ireland and losing seventy-one ten. And it was like, wait a minute. Yeah, we're, we've seen this before. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now we're back. So you know, the reminder that yep, there's still a huge gap between tier one and tier two. 
and, you know, Ireland carved us up and, and, and made us pay. And, 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 you know, we, we had the excuse of this team. It hadn't been playing together. They were in COVID protocols. Even the training in Ireland and in England was really poor. Like we couldn't spend a lot of time together and it was frustrating, but we went from that series straight into world cup qualifying where for the first time ever we were um, defending America's one champions, yeah. you know, that had always been really Canada's spot for the most part. We'd always been America's two, um, or even maybe uh, we even missed the World Cup one year. And then one, we had a repertoire tournament. We had to be, yeah, like, yeah. So not always even guaranteed. So heading into that Canada series, um, you know, pretty, pretty excited to to take on our rivals there. We dominated that series for a long time. Mm-hmm. And actually uh, dropped the first game, 34-21, and lost to Canada for the first time in a long time. Yeah, I feel like our, our, our win streak, and we did have a tie, so it's not just a, a win streak, but it was a non-loss streak. Non-loss streak. streak. Yeah, non-loss streak. It lasted so long that I kind of forget how many in a row it was. I feel like it was like 11 non-losses in a row. And so this one was, it was sort of... It was even more bitter, I feel like, because we knew it was yeah, going to happen. You know, we, we, yeah. we knew that we couldn't beat Canada for the rest of time, even though... So why did it have to happen for the qualifying? <laughs> yeah, one of them for like, qualifiers, you know, it's especially coming off of that Ireland loss where you're thinking, okay, we lost 71-10, but it is Ireland, and we did score 29 against England. So when we play Canada, you know, we, we should be able to put in some points. It, it just, it didn't happen like we wanted to. But the, the, the second match, you know, the, it was an aggregate score. You know, they won 34-21. This, the, on September 11th, on, on the second match, we did clobber them 38 to 16. Now, Warren, do you think that we and, and we won that series on aggregate? Clearly, uh, but Warren, that 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 first match, what I don't know. I mean, it's hard to pinpoint back, you know, not having watched it since then. But it, do you think we found our footing in the second match? Was it just home field advantage, or was it just a wake up call? Did we think, hey, like, you know? We, we need to get a few under us or we're not going to qualify for the world cup at all. Yeah. I think it was, a, I think it was a mixture of all those things, but again, it's the stop start nature of, of the, of the U S team. Like unlike tier one nations that have six nations where they're in camp for a couple of weeks ahead of time, like England plays Scotland, you know, in a week, but they're, they've been in camp all this week. They'll be in yeah. camp all next week. Um, unlike that, you know, we come together a couple of days before our first match, play that match get to train that entire next week and then get to play in that second match. We're always better in that second match. It seems like, yeah. um, unless you're playing Ireland. Um, and the, I, I think that, that, that showed, but, you know, moving on to that Uruguay series, since we beat Canada in aggregate, October 2nd, narrowly beat Uruguay at home, 1916. Yeah. And you and I both kind of knew how the story was lining <laughs> up. Yeah. Barely beat them at home. And then we're heading to Uruguay, which we've struggled re- like many a times. We were not we looking got, forward to that. Yeah, we got shellacked 34-15. And just, I mean, just tip of the hat to Uruguay. It's just a, they're just a really good team. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like Lost it, America's one, by the way. Yeah, so we did not yeah. win America's one. Yeah, Did, did not get America's one. And, and I feel like th- this was the culmination of Uruguay's slaughtering of the ARC. Sort right. of. Uh, you know, North and South America's lifeblood uh, of top flight tournament for our national teams. And they wanted it gone to, to better position themselves for the World Cup. And it worked out. And I think that's what's even more upsetting is it's kind of like thing. they not only did they murder the ARC uh, and, and, you know, blow up our schedule uh, every year, it worked out for them. So it's like even more jealous 
than you know than I would have been or already was or mad that the ARC's gone. But yeah, right. I mean, hats off to them. I mean, they they have gotten their their shit together. They train together all the time. I mean, this is this is a good national team. You know, I think they are they're officially at our level. I, I, I would say as far as you know, I, I think we've had the edge on Canada, and I think we still do, even though we went one and one in our, in our series with them. But now I think Uruguay has surpassed Canada, and they're more on par with us. Yeah, it's pretty crazy to think that you know when you look at world rugby there really has been much shakeup at the top, right? The biggest yeah. shakeup at the top is Japan knocking off a couple of tier one nations. Yeah. Scotland all of a sudden being a little bit more relevant than they used to be. Italy's still the whipping, you know, whipping yeah. boy and the whipping post. And, and, and it's just kind of the same old story there. But with tier two, you look at countries like Canada that are really falling out of favor that used to be the kind of one of the leading tier one, uh, tier two countries. You see the, the likes of Uruguay, the, the, the surging star, you're seeing more and more stuff out of Spain and Portugal. That's really where we're seeing the most movement in world rugby. It's a little bit concerning because then it's just, we're just going to beat each other up and we'll never get that opportunity to, to beat up a tier one nation. But yeah. it is encouraging that Uruguay got the America's one for the first time. And uh, so looking at the last three world cups, it's been three different um, teams, which is, which is, which is an encouraging thing. Yeah. Uh, and then coming off of that, we had, you know, this, this much publicized matchup against New Zealand, you know, it, it was one of those where it's like, yeah, we're excited to, to play the all blacks, but is this really necessary after we just mm-hmm. lost, you know, we went one and one against Canada uh, when we were probably expecting to go two and O we were mm-hmm. hoping to go two and O against Uruguay, which, you know, mirrors closely what's happened in, in years past. Uh, but like, you know, those results heading into this one, we, I mean, anything could happen. Like, literally anything could happen. And I feel like... We, we knew it was going to happen. Yeah, we, well, we knew it was going to happen. But at the same time, we scored. It was 104 <laughs> to 14. So it's like we scored knew... Two, that, scored twice. Yeah, scored, scored twice. twice, Preston. Tries, and, not kicks. And one tries. of the... Yeah, yeah, actual tries, which we didn't get yeah. when you and I went to Chicago. Yeah. Um, you know, well, it was the first time in, in uh, uh, history. Yeah, yeah um, we ever scored yeah. against them. And, and, and I, you know, it shows the tries that we did score... I would say especially uh, Nate's, uh, he had that beautiful breakaway. It was great. It, it just shows that, you know, we we can outrun these guys sometimes. You know, he, he was outpacing the defense. You know, we had right. the athletes to, to go up with these guys. You know, it, it's just getting our, <clears throat> excuse me, our team consistent playing time. You know, it's yeah. it's, those, it's those small rugby skills. And, 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 that's and, and it was – it was a fully U.S.-based team, you know, MLR team, mm-hmm. none of our overseas professionals. Which we love to and do that to ourselves when we're playing New Zealand. Yeah, and it, and it kind of is what it is, right? It, it was one of these situations where we we took on this team and 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 um, and kind of knew what we would be going, knew what we'd be getting back into. So um, it it like it it's not something I think we should be doing in 2022 or doing every single year. But it also serves its purpose where it does fill the coffers up to a certain extent, although I don't think it did as much this time. But really looking back, though, Preston, on 2021, 2021 as a rugby year for the, for the 15s team, I would say that it was a disappointing year with just those two wins, one against Canada, one against Uruguay, um, missing out on America's one. Having a competitive game against England was probably the highlight, and the low light were, were those Ireland and, and New Zealand scores. 
talk to me about the Chile uh, match this year and going for America's two and, and really how important that is because what does it mean if, if we don't? Yeah, it's, it's something that going into it, we have to, we have to expect to win. And I feel like we do expect to win because that's how it should go, but we have to play as if they can upset us like Uruguay uh, or they can upset us like Canada. So you can't go in just, you know, you have to be confident, but not cocky. Cause I, I do think beating Chile is, is, you know, all but certain. It would take a monumental collapse for that to happen. And if that does, I mean, that's like the, you know, a dagger to the heart, the pod might implode and, and our computers might burn up. But, you know, I think you have to go in confident and, and just expect that if you do your system, you know, the team is going to win. And, and Gary Gold, you know, I, you know, I don't know his, his coaching style and his conversations with, with the individual players and stuff, but, you know, just, just knowing and telling them that if you play your game, you're going to win because you're, yeah. you're a better team. You're more cohesive. And, you know, I, I think, <clears throat> you know, I, I hope Chile plays well in all of their matches because I want them to succeed. But I hope we show how we can play against them. And we do stretch yeah. out that, that scoreline a little bit just to know, just to show that, hey, we, we are back on track. Yeah, I mean, we will be clear favorites. Chile, they, they've gotten better every single yeah. year, but we've put up some pretty big score lines against them. Um, it, and if we have access to our overseas professionals too, that, I mean, that'll really step it up. If you yeah. have, you know, Joe Tafate running down your, your channel. Yeah. Um, so it'll be, it'll be interesting, but those are really the only kind of guaranteed matches that we know about. Obviously there'll be additional test matches. It'll be interesting to see if we'll get to host um, a tier one nation. We have done that in the past, you know, like in Texas. So we'd love to see like an Italy or a Scotland come rolling through town, but um, it, it could be, uh, it could be another nation. Obviously our, our home game against England was canceled and a few other big home games against yeah. Ireland was canceled. So we'll see if we actually can pull that off with, with, uh, COVID restrictions and stadium and ticketing issues. So it'll be an interesting year for this 15s program. But the, the most exciting thing is, is that MLR is still looking healthy and moving in the right direction. So a lot of our uh, USA based players, well, all of our USA based players play in MLR. And so they'll still be getting consistent rugby at a a high level, which, which is the most encouraging thing. Yeah. Uh, And I I feel like, you know, we talked about the men getting, you know, shafted after a a COVID year, but the women got it even worse. Oh yeah. Whereas the men were able to play two matches in July two matches in December or sorry, September three in October, the women only had four matches all year, all at the end of the year in November for their autumn international. So, yeah. and, and that, and it showed in the results, you know, losing to Canada, uh, you know, 15 to nine then losing to Canada, 26, 13, narrowly losing to Ireland, 20 to 10. And then England, obviously being the most dominant women's team in the entire planet, winning 89 to zero against us. I, yeah. I, I it, it's, you know, we always talk about, you know, almost being set up for failure and not to say that they shouldn't have played the matches. They should have, you need that experience, sure. but you know, it's you going into, you have to know what to expect when, you know, you've been on a hiatus for so long and they, they just mm. don't have the matches. And I think that's, that you know, it speaks to both of our 15s teams of not having those guaranteed uh, test matches, you know, us yeah. not playing Canada as much. And, you know, you look at the success of our sevens teams it's no wonder because they're playing tournaments, you know, almost every weekend. And when they're not on the and world series, they're playing, you know, with other teams going to, you know, all over the world playing with 
invitational team. So it's and, it and they're playing different types of teams. So like yeah. that, that's the biggest thing is is that with the USA Women's we have fifteens, we have Canada, and that's like it. It's a geographical yeah. rival. We're at least with our men's program. Uruguay is is there with us too. Chile is becoming more and more of a threat along with Brazil. We have the the Argentina Juarez. So like there's different opposition that we can face really with, with the USA women's geographically it's Canada and that's it. We don't have any other nearby neighbors or then we have to fly to New Zealand. We have to fly to Australia in that step up is just massive. That being said, um, this women's team uh, for the 15 specifically has done a really good job of infiltrating the uh, the Premier 15s uh, tournament over in England. That's a and very a lot point. of these women are are playing professional rugby, really high level rugby right now. Um, it's insane how many of them are over there, and uh, yeah. and how competitive that tournament um, is becoming. So, I I, I think it, I think we could see some good things out of this program in, in 2022, and and I'm bullish on it. Obviously, England is still going to be a favorite. You know, Canada is still going to be a really tough match, but but yeah. I'm, I'm I'm excited about where they could be. Yeah, I mean, I, I know we, we've talked about this before, especially when it, we're talking about the Olympics, and not even just rugby, but uh, American female athletes are are just world class across the board. So it, mm-hmm. it's 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 surprising, but not surprising that so many um, American females are are in the uh, pr- Premiership playing over there. It's you know utilizing their skill set, and it's giving them so much like such good experience to to come back home. And I feel like it's those early stages of. Um, you know, when, when Blaine Scully w- w- was heading over to, to Europe and, you know, getting that experience of coming back home. And I, and I feel like we're, we're going to start to see that with the women's team. Uh, and, and I feel like it's going to hopefully build up the appetite to where there is a, you know, a professional league that can come to fruition in America. And, and I, I feel like it's, we're on the precipice. I, I feel mm-hmm. like, you know, we have the athletes, it's just getting yeah. that schedule. And, and, and what, do you, how, how do you see us fixing that issue, you know, there is no ARC, but is bringing up something like the ARC or having, you know, the women's team having, they, they, what was it? The super four tournament where they yeah. New Zealand, South Africa, England. So is it getting that consistently? I mean, and it's not one size fits all, but yeah, I mean, I think it, it, yeah, I think it's getting world rugby a little bit more involved because like, again, that, that drop off is just so big. If we were to go play, like uh, I, I'll be completely honest. There's some nations that don't even know if they have a, a national 15s women's program, like yeah. in South America. Um, so I think it would be, we do need World Rugby to kind of be involved because we need to be playing the France. We need Italy is getting a better and better program. So we are going to have to travel further. So we just need to make those tournaments more more often, and and bring those teams together and 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 make it more of an event. Just because they are spread out, it it truly is like if you just had the tier one nations. And, and that was it where a couple of them are close together. And then, you know, you've got to fly all the way to Australia. You're going to fly all the way to South Africa. So it, um, it is pretty spread out. Yeah. Um, but overall, I feel like disappointing, you know, the results could have been better, but you know, I, I think both teams are, are hopefully going to look better for 2022. It's just whether yeah. or not we can get organized one. Uh, we can yeah. move into sevens a little bit. There just, there wasn't as much sevens. They are both, no truncated seasons last year and the men in, in a smaller season they did finish fifth and they had no medals the women they did all right in the fast four tournaments i don't, I don't believe that they were official stops it was just a, you know a, a wacky covid year but looking into this year warren you know the men men finished sixth in malaga and they're doing all right right now in seville the women won gold in malaga yeah. 
Uh, Naya Tapper became the all-time leading try scorer for USA Rugby, and, and they're dominating right now in Seville, undefeated. Uh, made it to, big they wins. made it to Sports Center too. Yeah, maybe I've been to Sports Center. That was an insane uh, uh, clip. But one, I, I want to put like you know after having said that, I want to pose a question to you, and we, okay. I kind of already touched on it from the 15s. I feel like the seven squads, both of them, especially the women's, I mean, they're, they're obviously at the top right now and they're dominant. I feel like they're set up for better success. They're, they're set up to be better longer. They're going to have better longer-term success than the 15s team just because they are playing you know, year-round. And it is an Olympic sport, so you are training at Chula Vista year-round. And it's, I feel like it's becoming more apparent. And, and you know, I don't think the 15s teams are going to get left behind. We have there's a lot of momentum behind those teams, but just in the immediate time right now, in the next two to three years, I think we're going to see our seven squads keep going up. Um, but I think it's going to take a little bit longer for the the 15s to get back to where they have been in the past. You know, obviously beating yeah. Scotland and, and our women's team winning the World Cup. You know, I think it's going to take a little bit longer for for those squads to get as good. Do you feel the same, or do you have a, a different you know outlook on that? Yeah, I do. I mean, it's just a simple like logistics and and economics factor, right? You you take a sevens program, you can get 12, 13, 14 uh, guys, uh, coaches, and and you can can build around that, right? uh, It's just, it's literally a third of of the infrastructure that you need for a 15s program, the amount of of people. Um, To your point, they're playing high level competition all the time, all over the world. Then when they don't have World Series stops, they're doing these invitational like club tournaments that that, that are put on. Yeah, and it, it's just easier for those guys to pick up high level games. Some of them can play an MLR here and there, go go uh, do that as well, kind of dabble. Where the biggest difference is our 15s team is never coming together. Uh, we've done it sporadically in our history, but it's never been like multiple times in a year or even like back to back years. We're never coming into a camp setting training, practicing, going over, you know, systems, lineouts, malls, how, how we want to operate as a team and then disbanding and not playing a game yeah. where England, France, Ireland, they're doing that all the time. Now all their players are based in the, um, are based in the United States or uh, based in their countries are, are not, but it's becoming more and more, uh, uh, based in the United States because of MLR. Yeah. So I think that's our biggest next step with our 15s program. We, it'll probably be out of Glendale. We get to, we start getting together. And like I said, working on our set pieces, working on our, our phase play and get a thing where, Oh yeah, I, I'm playing for rugby ATL. I'm, I'm playing for DC, mm-hmm. but these parts of the year I'm flying into, into Glendale busting out the USA rugby playbook and familiarizing myself again with those systems, because otherwise we're doing run-throughs in, in the Hilton parking lot, trying to figure it out before, right before the game, which just isn't ideal. Yeah, which, you know, can happen. Uh, and, and does. Yeah, to, to, just two notes I thought were pretty cool. Or not, one of them's pretty cool. One of them's kind of sucks about sevens. Um, what, the first one, I guess that sucks, is that Ilona Mar actually is out due to COVID protocols for this tournament in Seville. But they're also, you know, dominating still without the presence of her. And she was the player of the final uh, in, in that gold medal match, just a complete dominant player. I feel like she's so that, that driving force of that seven squad and to see them play at such a high level, shows even yeah. though, yeah, even though that she's out uh, is, it shows a lot about that team. Also Warren, 
there's a player from life who's on the men's seven squad, uh, Chase Shore Haskin. And you mm-hmm. and I, you know, every once in a while, we'll get called in to just do a life match. We'll, you know, do the broadcast on Flow Rugby. So I don't know, and maybe three or four people watching. But Chase Shore, Chase Shore Haskin was a name that you and I called all the time when we oh, did those sure. life matches. And now, now seeing and hearing his name called on, you know, a World Series match, it's just sort of surreal. Like, oh yeah, like I used to watch that guy from a booth, you know, scoring tries with the Life 15s team. Like, and now he's on the world stage. It's, That's cool. it's just sort of, it, yeah, it's pretty sweet. It's, it, it's encouraging to see those programs continue to grow and, and grind out because it's something we talked about for a long time, specifically with the men's sevens program, you know, the likes of the Danny Barrett's and the, the Carl and Isles, they, they've just been there for so long. Are, are we going to see, are we going to see like kind of movement? And we are, we're seeing a lot of folks kind of trickling in. We still have those big names. They're still there. But with the likes of, you know, Madison Hughes hanging up his boots, it, it is creating some opportunities for some other players. Yeah. Um, we're also seeing some sevens players going to the MLR, Preston, and that's a, a good segue because we've got week one coming up. And yeah. there's a chance for us to see some pretty big uh, seven stars uh, putting on their boots for the first time uh, in the MLR. Yeah, I mean, speaking of Danny Barrett, uh, yeah, I think this is something that not just you and I saw, but I think people who pay attention to American rugby saw happening. Uh, after that Olympic cycle is uh, players going to MLR saying, you know, I've, I've dedicated my time to sevens and it's super fun, but it, I, I want to play professional 15s. You know, this is a once in a lifetime opportunity to do in America. So yeah, it, it's super exciting to see. And, and I think it's going to be an infusion of talent that we need because it's yeah, American talent. <clears throat> yeah. And yeah. professionalism and, and you know, America qualified, you know, a handful of them already have caps for the 15 squad. So yep. it's, it's, uh, I think it's what we need. You know, we, we've seen a lot of signings and I'm not bashing it. We've seen a lot of signings from foreign players and they're not, you know, not everyone is going to be, uh, you know, get a get to level signing. You know, I understand sure. that, but we have seen some other international signings and they're, you know, and they're, and they're decent players. Uh, but I feel like they're just, they're, they're filling it in. But it's like, you know, are we going to see those American players come around to say, hey, it's a player I haven't heard of, but he's out of UW-Whitewater. You know, he, he plays seven. Let's pick him up instead of some random, you know, Aussie. Uh, but I don't think we're there yet, you know, because we still need all of that talent in MLR. But Right. You, you still need the, you still need the uh, attractive product, yeah. right, which does require a certain amount of overseas influx. But no, I yeah. agree. And, and we're starting to see it with the college programs. We're seeing it right here in the Atlanta area where they're beginning to churn out talent um, and, and up-level their programs and to connect themselves with MLR teams, which is pretty cool. Yeah. We also had some drama to start the season, Warren. Uh, yeah. Scott speaking Lawrence, of Atlanta. about that. Yeah. Scott Lawrence is out. The the, the buying group that, that owns uh, Boston and, and, a, and a few other teams uh, uh, became the majority shareholder of Atlanta. And um, sounds like there was some differences in opinion. Sounds like, oh, sorry if I'm rubbing. There was some uh, differences in opinions there. And yeah, he's no longer the head coach, which is pretty crazy because he was one of our up and coming American coaches. Yeah. And and just when you thought rugby ATL, when you thought of uh, the snake pit, when you thought of everything they were doing, you thought of Scott Lawrence. So kind of kind of crazy to, to not see him there. But the good news for Atlanta is they have Stephen Brett, who's promoted uh, to the to the coach the head coach role and they do kind of have a pretty big big back office that has has been around 
that club and, and been around those players and are familiar with them. Yeah, it, it was obviously it was shocking. Um, and I don't know, and we'll probably hear eventually what you know, the cause or causes were. And I, it could be we have we have four teams now that are owned by two different people. You know, Gilchrist with uh, his Austin and L.A. teams and then obviously the, the Boston team uh, or that group having that majority share now of, of rugby ATL. But I, I, it's shocking. I don't think it's I don't think we'll be as rugby ATL will move as far back as, you know, uh, uh, other teams that are missing their head coach like Dallas, who couldn't get the visa uh, in time for their head coach. They're they're looking now. I think this internal promotion of Stephen Brett is going to work out. Someone who was there last year knows the system and was there for their, you know, second place finish in MLR. Uh, so I don't think that's going to affect their early season too much, you know, even though it's like, you know, three weeks before the season, it's never a good thing to, to lose your head coach. Uh, but they've got a new stadium. I, I know they're pretty amped. I know you've been working on some promotions with, you know, college clubs and, and ticket sales and, and getting people there. And I know you'll be there uh, to attend. And I think it's going to be a, you know, I'll get off my soapbox now for rugby ATL, but I think it's going to be an exciting season. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. What I'm, what I'm excited about for both rugby ATL, but also the, the, the entire league is how much it's still staying the same. Um, a lot of guys are returning to their clubs, big yeah. name guys, like you mentioned, Gitto, you know, um, uh, Chris Robshaw, some of these bigger overseas guys are, are coming back for another season of MLR. Mm-hmm. And then some of our American talent is staying, right? Like these, these guys you just think of when you think of clubs, Dylan Fawcett in New York, Cam Dolan in New Orleans. Alex Morgan in Atlanta. Oh, Alex Morgan in Atlanta. But then we've got some, some fun stories, some, some guys that have been traded and moved mm-hmm. around. Uh, we've got a brand new team in Dallas joining, joining the fray. So it's a really nice, uh, uh, it, you know, still consistent. It's not, it's not completely changed. Oh, oh, a new team here. This team disappeared. You know, this, this team is a completely different team. It's a nice consistency and it shows like a professional and, and stable league, which is really, really, really important. Um, let, let's look actually at week one, Preston. We've got, uh, a, a, we'll start with rugby ATL since we are here in Atlanta. Got Old Glory coming down to Atlanta. They're going to be playing on this new pitch. Um, that is that is closer to the city center, although still kind of uh, out there. But a, a a pitch that you and I both played on, although they they've resurfaced it and it's a little bit nicer Thank God. now. Yeah, legally um, they're probably required to. Yeah, uh, early early thoughts there. You know, Old Glory kind of had an up and down, up and down season. Mm-hmm. A rugby ATL obviously were the East winners and, and went to the final finals, losing to LA. Uh, what what are, what are your thoughts on this? I'm going with Atlanta. I, th- I think that the energy uh, of of the team, obviously, they're probably you know they're fighting to prove that you know they can still perform. You know, after losing Scott Lawrence, they have this new stadium that they're they're moving up to. It's larger. You know, you could argue it's more of a more of a professional venue in, in that it's you know got wraparound seats. It's got a you know built in uh, you know concessions. It's it's just it's a beautiful field. I'll say now that it's been resurfaced. And I think yeah. there's a lot of energy there and positivity. And I think that's going to carry Atlanta over Old Glory, even though it's not going to be easy. Uh, I mean, Old Glory is one of those teams where they could easily, you know, beat Atlanta by, I think, 14 points. If they're just that kind of team. Agreed. I'm, I'm going to go with Atlanta, too. I'm going with home field advantage and, yeah. and, uh, and D.C. having to travel. Next is Dallas heading into Austin. Um, Austin's a team that's brought in a, a lot of big names. They've, they've had a very professional infrastructure for a long time, but just mm-hmm. have struggled with results. 
but we're beginning to kind of put it together last year. You got to think that that Austin's our favorites taking on the first new t- or the the one new team in MLR this season, surely, right? Yeah, I, I think Austin is going to be the king of Texas this year. I think Dallas can put on a good showing. You know, I wouldn't be surprised if the first 30 or 40 minutes, it was like a five-point game. But I, I think as it drags on, Austin's going to show that they're the better team and, and they're going to pull away. What about you? Totally agree. Totally mm-hmm. agree. Let's talk about LA uh, traveling to Houston. Um, and, uh, rumors are they're still partying in LA after, after their win last season. They haven't still even drunk. Really, they haven't even been thinking about it, no. We, we know this LA team had a pretty intense preseason last time and, and rumor has that they might be doing that again, kind of closed doors off to the media. It, they, this team is run a little bit differently. They don't have this massive fan base and in this kind of old story. They, they, they just kind of popped up, had all these professionals and just kicked ass. They'll be going to Houston, which is a team that has been just a stalwart of professional rugby for a very long time, but still has struggled with the results. Uh, Houston has lost some of its it, it's big uh, it's guys that's depended on like Sam Windsor. Yeah. So what do you what do you see happening here? Well, you know Houston's already taking flack for you know having like a preseason match that they apparently charged you know for parking and stuff like that, and then it was just like a joint practice with Dallas, and apparently there was like a ten minute you know scrimmage at the end. Mm-hmm. I don't know if there's a miscommunication or anything, but I know it's just. It shows two different programs, you know, as you just described LA's, you know, super intense closed door preseason training compared to sort of like the fiasco that we just had in Houston. Uh, I think LA is going to run away with it. I I think we talk about LA being the flashy team and sort of splashy and all of that. But I I think it shows a lot that they, it shows about their team character when they have these closed door intensive practice sessions, you know, it's, it's not this, we're going to have our cameras out and it's going to, you know, we're going to make a huge social media showing of this. They're saying, hey, we're going to focus on the rugby. And then when we get on the field, that's when we're going to be the flashy and splashy team and, and show that we're the guiltinis and stuff like that. And I think that's what's going to happen here in Houston. And then I hope Houston can score and keep it close and keep it manageable, especially because they have that beautiful field. But I, I just don't know if that's going to happen. What, what about you on that one? Yeah, I mean, it. it I think it's going to be a lot of LA talent unless something drastic has, has changed, which I, which I don't think is the case. So I, I, I think it could, it could be a pretty big LA win. So we'll, we'll have to see. Um, I am interested though, to, to kind of get your thoughts on, on this next game. Cause I actually could see this going a couple of different ways. Free Jacks heading down to NOLA. NOLA is a team that seemed to be early favorites and kind of fell out of, then fell out of favorites. Free Jacks is kind of this, this team, I would almost claim them to be everyone's like second favorite team. <laughs> yeah, hardworking, new, new. They they were putting on a lot of uh, a lot of uh, uh, fun stuff at their stadium when when they were able to have games. They mm-hmm. unfortunately got had to cancel some of their games. Well, uh, what what were your what what are your thoughts on this game? I, I think that's like a perfect description of both teams. I, I, Nola twice has been sort of front runners in in the season, and, and then sort of fell off toward the end, and then Free Jacks. They score a lot of points. They're they're exciting to watch, uh, and they are. I think they really are everyone's second favorite team. So th- this is an interesting one. I, I, I think Nola is still going to come out strong because that's what they do. They come out at the beginning of the season, uh, and I think the the home field advantage is going to play a lot. But I think we're going to see some exciting tries from guys like Bodie and Waka. You know, that's what we're used to seeing him and the up and under and chip chases and stuff like that, and these you know one handed offloads with that back line. 
So I think we're going to see an exciting match, but ultimately I think Noah's going to come out on top. Yeah. I, okay. I, I think you're probably right there, but who knows at this point? Yeah. <laughs> and this is the one I probably think is, is hardest moving into Sunday. We've got two games left. We've got Utah heading to San Diego. Utah, the perennial, like, could be the best team if they wanted to be. Yeah. And then San, Di- uh, San Diego having so much talent, but weirdly just seeming to kind of have an off year last year. Dealing, mm-hmm. Did have to deal with quite a number of injuries. Yeah. Um, I, you know, my question almost is, is like, which team is going to mess this up? <laughs> yeah. Is Utah going to run away with it and then in the last 10 minutes give it back? Uh, right. That's kind of what we're used to seeing. I feel like LA is really the only team that we're picking to win on the road. I think Utah is going to win on the road. I, I think this is maybe not their year to win at all, but I know, I think they know their weaknesses and they can work around them. Uh, you know, mainly with just with, with fitness toward the end. And I think San Diego did, did Maananu come back? Was, was he one of the other signings or did I just see like bumped tweets from? No, just bumped times? tweets. Okay. Um, well, you know, they still have a lot of talent in San Diego, um, and they're a, a, you know, a serious contender, but I think Utah is running away with it pretty early or in, in the season. I don't think it's not, not going to be a blowout, but Utah is going to win in my opinion. Gotcha. Yeah. All right. And last game arrows are going to the sea wolves. Um, this Canadian team is saying they're going to play in Canada and, and, and they're serious about it. What are your thoughts? I mean, I guess they didn't like, uh, us down South here in Georgia. Maybe it was the weather. Maybe it was the lack of maple trees or moose. Um, but I'm happy that they're going to be able to play in front of home fans. Again, that's something that every professional club needs. And I think they're going to win on the road at Seattle uh, at Starfire, even though it's a beautiful place and they have a lot of crowd support. I, th- I think it's, it's going to be a, a hefty arrows win. What about you? Yeah, I agree. I think it's, it's going to be a big win. I, I think they're still figuring things out down there in Seattle. Um, love what they do, but yeah, I think it's going to be a big, a big, uh, 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 eras when I think they're putting together another great program. So we'll, we'll see what happens. Yeah. But overall, Warren MLR is coming back. I mean, it's February 5th is, is the first game. So that's super exciting. And we'll obviously review uh, week one action and look forward to week two next pod. What, what else uh, do you have to have to look forward to Warren? We got to see some schedules, man. We got to understand yeah. who the 15s are playing, who sevens are playing. So it could be a really big year. And let's just hope that COVID and 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 the USA rugby's financial issues and, and world rugby's financial issues from COVID doesn't affect us too much. So staying optimistic and positive because we're still in January. Sounds good. Go Eagles. Go Eagles. Don't you want to tell me why? Don't you want to tell me why?